Due to the nature of this episode, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of traumatic situations. Consider this when deciding how and when you'll listen. September 27th was a stormy night at sea. A ship rocked back and forth in a vast body of water, swaying so much that many passengers retreated to their cabins. Now, a little bobbing was normal for a cruise ship traveling in windy conditions, but when seamen and passengers heard two loud bangs, they worried the vessel was no longer safe. Moments later, the boat tilted violently. The ship was listing, nautical jargon for off-center. Water seeped into the ship and was now weighing it down. As cabins started flooding, passengers raced to the upper deck, but they struggled to reach the top. The ship had rotated so much, its walls had become floors. The whole thing looked like a scene from Inception. Those who made it to the upper deck strapped on life jackets and tried to free up life rafts. Meanwhile, others jumped off the sinking ship directly into the frigid ocean. The whole scene was utter chaos. You might think we're describing the events of the Titanic in 1912, but we're actually talking about the sinking of a recent ship, the MS Estonia. You heard right. This isn't some distant mishap that affected our great-great-grandparents. This happened in 1994. For context, that's the same year Notorious B.I.G. released Ready to Die. It's also the year Forrest Gump and Pulp Fiction premiered. Which begs the question, how could such a devastating tragedy happen in such modern times? And why are so many details surrounding this accident still a mystery today? Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today, we're covering the sinking of a cruise ferry called the MS Estonia. The tragedy took place on September 28, 1994, and claimed 852 lives. To date, it's the second deadliest peacetime sinking of a European ship, only superseded by the Titanic. This episode will recount MS Estonia's voyage and untimely demise. Along the way, we'll meet a few of the passengers and crew members aboard, some of whom survived to tell the tale. Next time, we'll discuss a few theories surrounding the accident. Like, did one of the ship's captains actually survive, despite accounts that he went down with his ship? Was the MS Estonia secretly transporting military equipment And did the authorities lie to the public about the cause of the disaster? We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. There's one thing we can all agree on. Dealing with pests is a pain. 
But luckily, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. So if your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Bottling everything up can be really bad for you in the long run and have some terrible consequences. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. The more you let things build up, the more of a toll it can take on your mental health. I know for me, in dealing with some traumatic events in my life, I had the tendency to think, well, they've already happened. I'm okay. Other people have it worse. It doesn't matter much. And through therapy, was really able to understand how those events impacted me and changed how I'd started to see the world in ways that weren't great and were sometimes making my life worse. So therapy or dealing with any traumatic events you've had might really help you in terms of how you can live in the present moment now. So if you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also really easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot conspiracy. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. On the evening of September 27, 1994, passengers lined up in Tallinn, Estonia to board the massive cruise ferry known as the MS Estonia. Much of what we know about the ship comes from journalist Jack A. Nelson's book, Flashes in the Night, The Sinking of the Estonia, including the fact that the vessel was due in Stockholm, Sweden that following morning. From there, it would return to Tallinn and shuttle back and forth between the two cities, All in all, it was a quick overnight trip. You could describe the ship as a cross between a ferry and your classic vacation cruise liner. There were restaurants, shows, even a spa on board for guests. The vessel was nine decks tall and over 500 feet long. Before the ship departed Tallinn that day, some folks pulled up in their cars and drove right onto the boat. For many of the passengers, the excursion was simply a way for them and their vehicles to get from point A to point B. Others booked their tickets aboard the MS Estonia as part of their vacation. Quite honestly, it was a big celebratory time in Estonia's history. In 1991, the country had gained independence from Soviet rule. Up until that point, the Soviet Union had enforced strict travel restrictions on its citizens. So for many Estonians, This trip would be their first opportunity to visit a Western nation like Sweden and see how the other side lived. Also aboard were several passengers from nearby Finland. For them, Estonia was a cheap and exotic getaway. 
A bottle of vodka was about an eighth of the price in Estonia, and many other goods were similar. Once the passengers were situated, the ship took off at 7.15 p.m. It was scheduled to arrive in Stockholm by 9.30 a.m. the following morning. Passenger Kent Harstedt spent the first couple hours aboard the boat relaxing in the sauna. He struck up a conversation with another traveler until it was time to head to the banquet room for dinner. On his way up, Kent peered through the ship's windows and noticed large waves crashing against the vessel. He'd felt the ferry bobbing back and forth earlier, but now it was swaying harder. His biggest concern at the time was that it made him feel seasick. Perhaps the Grand Buffet would settle his stomach. Kent piled food atop his plate, grabbed a beer, and found an empty seat in the banquet room. But he felt too nauseated to eat. He excused himself from the table and returned to his cabin instead. Meanwhile, others continued eating and drinking, keeping an eye on the storm outside. Despite the fierce winds, none of the passengers seemed too concerned. But the crew was another story. At about 10 p.m., Captains Arvo Anderson and Avo Pitt had a meeting with the ship's helmsman. Not only had the MS Estonia departed about 15 minutes late, it now faced stormy conditions. With these delays, the captains worried the ship would arrive in Stockholm an hour past its scheduled time. If that happened, passengers might miss business meetings or connecting flights and trains they'd booked out of Stockholm which would reflect poorly on S-Line, the shipping company that operated the MS Estonia. Executives would surely hold the captains accountable, and the consequences wouldn't be good. So Anderson and Pitt decided to forge full speed ahead from the tranquil waters of the Gulf of Finland into the more unruly Baltic Sea. Now the MS Estonia was going full throttle against 50 mile per hour winds. That evening, the MS Estonia was traveling alongside two other ships, the Mariella and the Celia Europa, also headed for Stockholm. But instead of fighting against the weather conditions, the captains of those boats decided to slow down. The MS Estonia left them in their wake. At about 11 p.m., a sailor named Silver Linda made his hourly rounds. The 24-year-old seaman reported that everything seemed to be in order except for several crew members who were either seasick or drunk. Even though everything was running smoothly, Linda was nervous. He wondered why the ship was racing into such rough waters and with all four engines at full speed. Typically, that didn't happen unless there was ice ahead. But as a seaman, Linda was low on the totem pole. It would be out of line for him to confront the captains about how they steered their ship. So he continued his rounds while biting his tongue. Just before midnight, the sailor was inspecting the car deck when a massive bump nearly sent him flying. It was followed by a loud noise, like metal grating against metal. But there was no indication anything was wrong. The control box on the wall had a green light, which meant the ship's doors were closed tight. And Linda didn't notice any water seeping into the vessel. Upstairs, passenger Kent Harstedt woke to the same noise that startled Linda. Although the boat was still teetering back and forth, Kent no longer felt seasick. He returned to the restaurant lounge where he met up with a couple of friends. While stormy waters rocked the MS Estonia, 
He and other passengers enjoyed the live music. Minutes later, Kent and one of his buddies wandered over to the karaoke bar. There, Pierre Isaacson, a 1970s Swedish pop star, happened to be on board, and he was working the crowd. At least in this room, the swaying of the ship seemed to make the party more fun. Couples stumbled around and laughed together. At some point, a group of workers from a Swedish oil company took the mic and broke into a hit song that everyone sang along to. But during their ballad, a wave crashed into the ship with so much force it almost sent Kent off his stool. Seconds later, the vessel took another hit, causing the ship to tilt closer to the water. Then a third boom struck the boat. Now the ship's teetering was no longer a fun party trick. The karaoke room and everywhere else on board descended into pandemonium. In one of the vessel's corridors, A dancer named Marge Roll fled for her life. On her way to the upper deck, she pounded on the doors of her fellow dancers, warning them to evacuate. The ship was so slippery from the water rushing in, Marge said she felt like she was climbing a water slide. But slowly, she worked her way up the railing, gripping it with all her might. At 12.12 a.m., sailors turned on the pumps to get rid of water in the lower deck, but it was no use. They were already knee-deep, and plenty more was rushing in. A few minutes later, the second officer suggested rebalancing the ship by directing the water into the ballast tanks. These containers were on either side of the ship and could be filled to tip the scale in one direction or another. Unfortunately, that was no longer an option. The port tanks were already full. At the bottom of the ship, Second mate Anar Cook could hear vehicles crashing into one another as the boat lurched from side to side. It seemed anyone who decided to save money on a cabin and sleep in their car overnight had made a dire mistake. There was no point in Cook investigating the ship's problems further. If he wanted to stay alive, he had to leave immediately. By 12.24 a.m., the MS Estonia had sent out a mayday call declaring a life-or-death situation. Around the same time, the ship's lights went out and the emergency generator kicked on. Six minutes later, at 12.30 a.m., all the noise surrounding the MS Estonia was trumped by a loud siren call. It signaled the ship was going down and everyone on board should save themselves. If they could. Coming up, passengers scramble as security measures fall through. Listeners, in honor of May, being Missing and Unidentified Persons Awareness Month, Parcast is presenting a new collection of captivating stories you do not want to miss. On Disappearances, Sarah Turney examines the disturbing crimes linked to the Highway of Tears and the Bethesda Home for Girls. Plus, she welcomes the founders of the Black and Missing Foundation for a special discussion. Catch these episodes starting May 4th. Then, on Solved Murders, discover three no-body homicide cases rife with cons, conspiracies, and conflicting statements. The Solved Murders special, The Missing Dead, starts May 17th. Follow Disappearances and Solved Murders to hear all of these episodes all month long. Listen free 
only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least, not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of bug it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. And with over 95 years of experience, it's no wonder they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X dot com. Now, back to the story. Shortly after midnight on September 28th, 1994, the MS Estonia began sinking into the Baltic Sea. There were 989 people on board. And with the crew unable to implement any proper safety protocols, all of them were scrambling to survive on their own. A young passenger named Sara Hadrinius climbed her way to the upper deck of the ship. She got a hold of a life vest and looked around for any other passengers. Her gaze quickly locked on a fellow traveler, Kent Harstedt, who was on the deck below her. He was wrangling a lifeboat from one of the steel davits it rested on. That's when he called for help in English and Swedish. Sara found Kent to be a calming presence amidst the chaos. The pair made eye contact as if by fate. Sara let go of the railings she'd been clinging to and slid down toward Kent. They stood beside each other for a brief moment before he said, You look calm. Maybe we can help each other. Shall we do this together? They shook hands and sealed the deal. Together, they tried to free the lifeboat, but in the process, they broke the handle needed to release the raft. Things weren't off to a great start. They watched sailors pass out life vests to other passengers. They threw some into the sea to those who'd already jumped into the water. With the boat sinking, there wasn't anywhere else for them to go. Sara's anxiety was mounting. She asked Kent if he thought they'd survive. He assured her, absolutely. We are coming home and we must believe this. Kent looked around and saw a familiar face smoking a cigarette. It was a man named Thomas Grunda, who he'd met at the karaoke bar before the chaos ensued. Kent asked Grunda if they should abandon the ship, but Grunda told them to wait. It was better to let the boat sink a little deeper into the water. That way, if a wave pushed them back, they wouldn't slam into the side of the vessel. It was good advice that Kent and Sara decided to take. As they waited on the sinking ship, Kent made a promise to Sara. If they survived the wreck, he would take her out to dinner in Stockholm the following week. Sara agreed. Amidst the commotion, the two tried to calm their nerves by discussing which restaurants to try. It seemed to be an effective coping mechanism, at least until the ship's deck lights went out. This ironically had a positive effect. They could now see into the distance better. That's when Kent noticed lights on the horizon. He figured they were fishing boats en route to rescue them. But they were actually small battery-powered lights atop the MS Estonia's life rafts. 
that were now floating astray in the Baltic Sea. But without a lifeboat nearby, Kent and Sarah had no choice but to jump into the 50-degree Fahrenheit water, which would have felt freezing to anyone not in a wetsuit. Wearing heavy clothes might have helped some of the passengers stay warm, but many didn't have time to throw on layers, and some worried that heavy clothes would only weigh them down. Well, that proved to be a fatal mistake. According to author Jack A. Nelson's book, Flashes in the Night, The Sinking of the Estonia, water can rid the body of heat 25 times faster than cold air can. So even though 50 degrees doesn't sound terrible, passengers risk getting hypothermia, Kent and Sara included. Plus, they had another problem. Kent cautioned Sara. Once they took the plunge, she'd have to get away from the ship as best she could. Otherwise, she could be dragged down by the force of the sinking vessel. Holding hands, they slowly worked their way down the hull to get closer to the water. Right before they leaped, Sara turned to Kent and said, I'll see you next week for that dinner. Then she slid down the hull into the ocean and everything went black. As the sea engulfed her, Sara could feel something around her leg, dragging her down. At that moment, she believed her death was imminent. She considered opening her mouth so she could fill up with water and avoid any prolonged suffering. Kent was also on the cusp of death. He had gotten tangled up in some ropes that pulled him deeper into the sea. No matter how hard he tried, he couldn't wiggle himself free. He thought about his parents and prepared to stop fighting. That's when the unexpected happened. Once Kent stopped resisting, his shoe came loose and the rope slipped away with it. He broke the water's surface, gasping for air. There, he felt an object against him. Kent had miraculously stumbled into a life raft with a rope sticking out of it. He reached for it and held on for dear life. Meanwhile, Sara also managed to break free of whatever had been weighing her down. As she swam for dear life, she noticed Kent floating just a few feet away. She made her way to him and clung to the same rope. The life raft it was attached to was upside down, but it was covered with people. Still, they managed to grab a space, and they held onto each other to stay warm. As Kent and Sara braved the blistering winds and icy waters, they did their best to stay positive. But not everyone on their raft was calm. Some people screamed, some wept. Others jumped up and down, hoping someone would see them and deliver them to safety. One of the people on that life raft was sailor Paul Anderson. Despite all his experience at sea, Anderson didn't think there was anything more they could do. He told Kent and Sara to try their best to stay warm and persevere until rescuers arrived. As if their situation wasn't dire enough, their raft was also punctured. It was losing air and taking in water fast. By this point, the MS Estonia was almost completely submerged in the Baltic Sea. Kent, Sara, and the others on their raft watched as the moonlight shone on the last bit of the hull. Then it was gone. The ship's siren warning was now replaced by silence. The tranquility was soon interrupted by the relentless pounding of waves. 
By then, the raft was letting out so much air, the middle was caving in. Anderson suggested everyone take off their shoes and use them to scoop out water. But after a few minutes, it was clear their efforts were futile. Whenever they made some progress, a huge wave would come, dumping more water in. The waves were so powerful, they even knocked some people off the raft, few of which never made it back on board. Among those persevering was a passenger known only as Mr. Positive. Although everyone seemed to be in a hopeless situation, Mr. Positive always found a reason to be chipper. He kept telling the others, don't worry, we'll be okay. And at one point, it seemed like he might be right. Two flares lit up the night sky. Their light revealed other rafts and life jackets floating on the sea. It appeared their raft wasn't alone. The flares gave hope that rescuers might find them soon. Sometime before dawn, a ship finally appeared. In his book, Nelson said the rescue vessel, with its bright lights, looked like a floating hotel on the Baltic Sea. Then, two other ships emerged. Now, everyone seemed to share Mr. Positive's optimism. Some whistled and shouted, while others unstrapped their life vests and waved them as a signal. From where they sat on their lifeboat, the passengers of the MS Estonia figured they'd be rescued within minutes. Little did they know, their troubles weren't over. Coming up, a botched protocol leads to a high body count. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. Once it became clear the MS Estonia was going to sink, the captain and crew leaped into action. But one of their biggest mistakes was botching the emergency protocol. In the event of a sinking ship at sea, the captain is supposed to notify passengers at least twice over the boat's PA system and cabin phones. And that message should be delivered in a common language. Unfortunately, the ship's captains only delivered the warning in Estonian, even though most of the passengers spoke Swedish or English. On the bridge, sailors sent out a mayday call over the radio, but they supposedly messed that up too. A captain is supposed to repeat mayday three times during an emergency, then state the vessel's name and share its location. The chaos must have rattled third officer Andres Thomas because he said mayday twice and left it at that. A confused operator on a nearby ship called the Europa radioed back to ask what was going on. But Estonia's second officer, Tormi Einsalu, replied, Good morning. Do you speak Finnish? His casual tone might have given the impression the MS Estonia was just dealing with a small problem at first. At least until Einsalu said the MS Estonia was at a 20 to 30 degree list. As we mentioned, list being sailor jargon for the ship is tilted. He asked for a rescue effort from the Europa and another boat in the area called the Mariella. There was just one problem. The power was out in the Estonia, 
so they had no way of looking up their coordinates on the navigation system. The Europa and any other rescue vessel would have had no way of tracking down the sinking craft. Thankfully, the emergency generator eventually kicked on, powering the ship's GPS and satellite orientation systems. Einsalu was able to share their location with the Europa before losing all contact just minutes later. The Mariella also got word of the Estonia's location. Moments earlier, Mariella's captain, Jan Tor Thornroos, had instructed one of his sailors to decrease the boat's speed because of the unruly waves. If the MS Estonia had done the same, it might have avoided its deadly fate. Miles away at Finland's Torku Sea Rescue Center, Ilka Karpala was the only officer on duty. When he heard the Estonia's mayday call, he notified the helicopter crew on site and reached out to the main rescue unit in Helsinki. This is where a serious communication breakdown occurred. The operator who received the message didn't seem to understand just how dire the situation was because he sent out what's called a pan-pan message. This is typically used for minor issues and is more likely to be ignored. If the operator had sent out an emergency alarm throughout the Baltic region, help would have arrived much faster. Thankfully, officials at the rescue center eventually tracked down the Estonia on radar. The ship wasn't moving, which confirmed everyone's worst fears, especially when the blip on the radar completely disappeared. Rescuers rushed to the scene. Every second was precious. Any delay could mark the difference between life or death. Back at sea, survivors braved hail and rain. The worsening conditions put them even more at risk of suffering from hypothermia. Kent and Sara knew the first sign was slurred speech, so they stayed in conversation as much as they could to help keep one another alert. But the gravity of their situation was wearing Kent down. He wasn't sure how much more he could take and began having morbid thoughts, like who would speak at his funeral. Sara, on the other hand, reassured him rescuers would save them soon. Anytime Kent doubted their survival, she changed the subject. They continued brainstorming where to go for dinner in Stockholm. Kent joked about how Sara's wet hair stuck to her head and insisted she'd need to fix it before they went out together. Eventually, the rescuing ships appeared over the horizon. Those on the life raft must have felt an immense amount of relief. But the closer they got, the more they realized a rescue operation wasn't going to be easy. For example, the MS Mariella couldn't get too close because the captain was afraid of running over the rafts and the survivors. If one of the rafts collided with the ship's propellers, it would be turned into confetti. By that point, there were so many life rafts bobbing in the sea that the captain of the Mariella compared them to a string of Christmas lights decorating the ocean. But to passenger Harry Whipple, it looked more like a scene out of a war movie. Ultimately, the Mariella and Europa did their best to help. They lowered life rafts from their ships into the water, trying to reel survivors in. The two boats also prepared their helipads for military choppers to land. When the copters arrived, the wind from their rotors stirred up an intense gust that rattled the survivors. 
In a docuseries about the shipwreck, one passenger said, It made water droplets feel like nails being thrown at you. Nevertheless, rescuers descending from the choppers was a welcomed sight. The first responders lowered themselves on a cable that swayed with the fierce wind and dragged the survivors back up to the aircraft. After spending hours enduring the stormy Baltic Sea, the survivors looked limp and practically lifeless. Back on the rescue ships, conference rooms were turned into makeshift refugee camps. There were also psychologists on standby, ready for what they called defusing sessions. According to Tom London, a dean of psychiatry involved in the tragedy, the debriefings helped survivors process emotional wounds they'd sustained during the event. While rescuers spent hours trying to find and bring survivors to safety, word about the disaster spread. People lined up by the dock of the Estline shipping building in Stockholm, eager to learn the fate of their loved ones. At first, the crowd was hopeful. The first radio reports about the tragedy claimed only a few passengers had died. But as more news trickled in, relatives learned the shipwreck was a lot more deadly. The mood of the crowd turned frantic as the survivor count kept fluctuating. It went from 80 people down to 26, then back up to 90, then 126. Keep in mind, there were 989 people on board, so these weren't good odds. The sense of dread was so overwhelming, even Red Cross workers became emotional. One volunteer recalled how painful it was to watch an 11-year-old boy learn his dad had died on the voyage. Days after the tragedy, the largest church in Stockholm held a memorial service for those who'd lost their lives in the disaster. The Swedish prime minister and other dignitaries spoke about the devastation. After all, this was one of the deadliest peacetime tragedies Europe had experienced in the 20th century. Sara and Kent were among many of the passengers in attendance. On the night of the shipwreck, Kent and Sara were finally rescued at about 5.30 a.m. They'd been taken to a hospital in Mariahamn, Finland, where they were placed in the same recovery room. Upon their release, they were hounded by the press about their unexpected relationship. Desperate to find a heartwarming story, reporters portrayed them as this couple who found a love in the tragedy, but that wasn't exactly the truth. Sara had a boyfriend, and Kent said he viewed her more like a little sister. Even though their relationship was platonic, Kent and Sara followed through on their dinner plans. Three weeks after they'd been stranded at sea, they met at the Grand Hotel in downtown Stockholm. Situated along a bay overlooking the royal palace, they enjoyed a feast of Swedish delicacies. Once they finished eating, they made their way to the pub where they met up with friends, including about 15 of the hospital workers who'd helped them recover. But not everyone was ready to move on. Following the tragedy, the prime ministers of Estonia, Sweden, and Finland all declared periods of official mourning. Despite rescuers' best efforts, the tragedy still claimed 852 lives. And their relatives wanted answers. Unfortunately, a joint investigation by Swedish, Finnish, and Estonian officials would take another three years to wrap up. 
When they finally released their report, they blamed the shipwreck on the Estonia's bow visor detaching from the vessel and causing a leak. But some survivors weren't so sure that was the case. Several came forward with testimony that conflicted with the report's findings. They complained investigators didn't bother to ask what they'd seen or heard the night the Estonia went down. Many of them banded together to write a timeline of the events as they knew them. They sent their letter to the Accident Commission and waited for a response. Only one never came. Which begs the question, why were government officials stonewalling the tragedy's survivors? Was it because the shipwreck happened at a vulnerable moment in Estonian history? Remember, the country had recently gained its independence from the Soviet Union ending nearly 50 years of communist rule. Now, the tiny Baltic nation, with a population smaller than modern-day Phoenix, was affiliated with one of the worst maritime disasters of the 20th century. There was a reason Estonian authorities wanted to downplay the shipwreck. Perhaps that's why people have speculated there's more to the story. Like conspiracy theory number one, contrary to popular belief, one of the captains aboard the MS Estonia is still alive and might be trying to dodge responsibility for the tragedy. Or conspiracy theory number two, the MS Estonia was secretly being used to smuggle military equipment the night it sank. And finally, conspiracy theory number three, the government lied about what caused the boat to sink. For decades, the tragedy's survivors and families of the victims have sought to understand what really happened to the MS Estonia. Thanks to a 2020 documentary on the event, there's been a renewed call for the truth. If those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it, well, then maybe those who remember their history can avoid repeating it. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. Of the many sources we used, we found Jack A. Nelson's Flashes in the Night, The Sinking of the Estonia, to be helpful in our research. We're here on Mondays and Wednesdays with all new episodes. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from Parcast. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash, with Nick Johnson as our head of production and Spencer Howard as our post-production supervisor. Quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Ryan O'Leary-Jones is our supervising editor. And Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Ben Hanani, edited by Wendelin Sabroso and Lori Marinelli, fact-checked by Bennett Logan, researched by Sapphire Williams, produced by Joshua Kern, and sound designed by Carrie Murphy. Our hosts are Molly Brandenburg and me, Carter Roy. Carter Roy.